lights, camera. We're going down to Cinemagic. Magic. Gotta make myself unwind. Friendly faces everywhere. Humble folks without temptation. Going Daisy. down to Cinemagic. Gonna see some friends of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? I did not see that coming, and I loved it. So love that intro. <laughs> Cartoon day at Cinemagic. Cartoon day. I want. I want cartoons. Cartoons. Woo! <laughs> People. Doctor Roxo. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to talk about Doctor Roxo's proclivities. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to another great week of Cinemagic. Woo! I am your host. Jonathan Gondois with my favorite person in the world over here to host a podcast with. That's right, Rick Acevedo is in Otherwise the building. Otherwise known as Captain Meatwad. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know from our intro, Captain Meatwad, today we want to talk about, I think, something um, as we're making our own, and so, you know, putting it out there, oh, uh, yeah. it's something that is highly anticipated and want, because we're adults too, but adult animation. Okay. And I say this because... Demon Slayer has been overtaking and kicking the box office number, which is anime uh, uh, over mm -hmm. there. So I think it's like another good time to talk about it. This is just having a historic run. Because uh, just like Dragon Ball Z4, it's kind of animation that we don't think for children, but more for adults. Exactly. Adult animation, that's our subject. It's not for the kiddies. I think that, um, and, and John, I think you'll agree with me on this. People have a tendency to think um, and I know kids, if they're not really, you know, guided properly, uh, you know, and understanding that people have a tendency to think that all animation is really for kids. And that's always been a common error because animation at its start and at its root uh, was never for children. Um, a lot of the stuff that you would see, a lot of the cartoons from like Looney Tunes early stuff. Um, and even even their later stuff when you know um, Elmer Fudd was trying to murder Bucks Bunny, uh, the same thing with Sylvester and and <laughs> either Tweety or or Speedy Gonzales or any anything mm -hmm. like that. It was not something that was geared a hundred percent towards children, and I, and I think that animation, if you look at the real story of animation, you go way back, it was never for kids. You look mm -hmm. at these historic periods, it was never for kids. You know, animation could be used in propaganda. And it yep. was. And if you look at the history of anime, anime started as propaganda films. Like short propaganda films. So, animation, it's not for kids. It, it wasn't 100% for kids. At least it, it, it might be now. It might have evolved into that. But it's, it's one of those all-encompassing things. You've got, um, you know, the first real sitcom that was animated was The Flintstones. Ran for seven years. Mm -hmm. Yep. You had The Simpsons, which has been on the air for well over 12,000 years. That started at the Tracy Ullman show. As a Another short. kid As at a HBO. That is not for, not meant for kids. Not meant for kids <laughs> at all. This is a primetime television, started in a late night television show that technically was not meant for children. Exactly. And, you know, I think that people forget with, with animation, they forget that aspect of it. Um, I think that because when you see something that's drawn coming to life, and I know that when you and I were growing up, uh, back then, animation was primarily hand drawn. You know, it, mm -hmm. was, it was cells, it was repeating backgrounds, um, you know, stuff like that. Especially if you were watching Hanna Barbera, <laughs> repeating backgrounds twenty four seven. You know, um, but uh, He Man cartoons, which I watched growing up, had almost like probably three scenes in each whole twenty minute cartoon. They just kept reusing the same ones over and over. You know, again. you know what was my favorite uh, overused He Man scene? Whenever He-Man would, and I pretty much smartened up to this, like, because He-Man only ran for like two years. People forget. 
He-Man was the hit that it was because it was such a massive merchandising bonanza for so many years. Even though the show wasn't on the air, it was essentially taken into syndication and reruns. But He-Man would have this scene where after he had the power, he would come in. And because he never really used the sword, he would just sort of juggle it. Like, mm -hmm. hey... I have the sword in my left hand. Now it's in my right hand. Now it's in my left hand. Now it's, you know, in both hands. And he looked like he was in the fighting stands. And they always repeated that scene every single episode with the same damn background. <laughs> like, what the hell? I remember the running scene when he was He-Man. He would always, like, <laughs> take off and run. And they have the same animation of him running. Like, same, like, he stopped look and like run no matter like what episode it was every or, or when they were in the tracker you remember the the big uh track track it was a track mm -hmm. track track it's like he's in the it's i mean that was like their minivan or whatever but it always seemed <laughs> like they were driving in the same freaking direction always <laughs> i was like guys not everything can be north <laughs> Like Eternia and Skeletor Mountain, or whatever—that cannot all be north. Like your GPS is somewhat off here, man. Yeah. You know. Um, but as as I was growing up, there was there was that. Okay, you can watch all animation because kids, if it's something adult themed, like I want to shoot this rabbit. But the rabbit's going to somehow tie the the thing into a bow. You know, he's going to tie the rifle into a bow, the shotgun into a bow. There, You know, that's not going to teach kids how to kill rabbits. It's just, it's something that's funny because it's impossible. So then all animation became generally accepted as a, as a form of entertainment that was only for kids because adults were too busy watching something else, you know, films or... Mm -hmm. You know, whatever mm -hmm. '80s show or '90s sitcom was was you know, and those were big back then. Uh, so then, animation became all encompassing. So you would see Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters animated shows was a big hit and ran five years yep. as a morning show. You watch any Marvel show; they're incredibly adult-themed shows and kind of dark in some ways. But you watch that on Saturday mornings. It wasn't an animation block. And, and and it was very common to take dark tones like Ghostbusters. Yeah. Who I always tell everyone, Ghostbusters Two was like a kid friendly film. Ghostbusters was not. Ghost the original Ghostbusters was a was a film made for adults, but it got big because they made a cartoon version of it. Played it with the kids, goes up. So that that simulation of even if you put adult stuff, as long as you put it in cartoon form. It automatically made it for children uh, because we had this idea animated was only children. So. Exactly. Because you're basically, I hate to use this term, but you're brainwashing the audience and thinking there is a very clear division in the markets. Mm -hmm. Quantum Leap Magnum P.I. Airwolf, that's for adults. Airwolf, you, you might let the kid watch it because it's got a helicopter. And, Hooray, the helicopter shoots things. I can get a toy. But cartoons because they were toyetic and what have you it didn't matter what the story was even though there were undertones of violence there were tones of undertones of you know sexism there were undertones of just mm -hmm. wild dysfunctional you know family situations you know um you you look at any cartoon you can find that the x-men mm -hmm. is a great example I was re-watching the X-Men with my son not too long ago, and man, they play the Holocaust kind of correlation for five years in that show. Mm -hmm. Five years. But you're you got twelve year olds watching this that didn't even weren't really even aware or keenly aware of, of historic tragic historic events so you know and i don't know really at what point but then the argument started of was this really a 
something that we should take seriously or is it a cartoon? So, for example, The Simpsons wasn't primetime Sunday. It has always been that way. And everyone was like, that's a cartoon. Well, no, it's actually a comedy series that's animated. There's a difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. Just like if you look at when Family Guy first came out, well, Family Guy blew the doors off of that because they were going in on everything. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't something you have. You want to have a five- or a six-year-old watching that might decide that they want to be like Stewie and, and you know, kill the mother. <laughs> or try to kill the mother because it's not funny when it's in real life, you know? Um, yeah. So No, agree. I, I think, really, when we have to look at it, we have to look at the MTV generation. Yeah, I'm about to blame it on you, MTV generation. Uh, <laughs> Hold up, man. Video did kill the radio star. However, it was not on purpose. All right, bro? Uh, but MTV was really, um, besides the Simpsons, they were the first one taking on the idea. And and by the way, and I mentioned anime uh, uh, before, because animation, anime in Japan... It has always been not only for kids for adults. It's just a medium. It doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. Unlike here in the U.S., where we've always thought animation is only like you know for children. Uh, but so they're already doing it. But you get this generation X who grew up a little bit with that, right? With this animation, they want to do those more subjects, and so you started getting from um, like your eight, your MTV, your Beavis and Butthead, the Max. They had whole Aeon Flux. <laughs> MTV had all these adult-oriented cartoons that was oriented at these teens and older people who really were like, hey, man, we know you like this animated format. We know you like stuff like anime, because sometimes I think they used to show anime too. And they would actually just, they made it next. So it's really first Generation X. And those generation eventually went into, you know, you could see what MTV was doing to eventually become Adult Swim, honestly. You could see where... You know, to, as to Simpsons became Family Guy to South Park. They're all doing this family sitcom thing, but aiming it for a higher level, right? And so you could see where all these things are coming from. But I blame it on the MTV generation. Well, and, but that is your You know joke. what's really funny is you mentioned, you mentioned um, anime. And you know what's really funny? When, when Sci-Fi Network was starting out in the early 90s, Mm-hmm. All right. Um, they had started, I think, 94, 95, maybe 93. Um, along with, those were the two new networks, were sci-fi and cartoon. So cartoon was basically just um, all-day-long reruns of Hanna-Barbera. They had the new Johnny mm-hmm. Quest, which was actually a pretty kind of with-it show. And then they eventually started in with Toonami, which fit some anime, very little anime, but they mm-hmm. started like fitting Voltron and all that stuff in, but it was an afternoon block. But anime, Dragon Ball Z, like, most famously, yeah, that's how. Mm-hmm. Anime as a as like, anime was almost like that hidden secret that everyone knew about. In the sense that, for example, sci-fi would play the Saturday morning anime movie, so they were play, playing in like ninety seven, ninety six before it became super popular. Like Tenchi Muyo and Love, um, Akira was a big one. Eight Man mm-hmm. After, Vampire Hunter D. They were playing all these things. Mm-hmm. So now it's turning a little darker. It's it's already been dark because those films were like twelve years old when they were when they were being played in in, in sci fi. So we were actually behind the curve on that. Yeah, those are all like eighties Japanese. Eighties, <laughs> but but we're so far ahead of their time. They were mm-hmm. like, oh man, they were doing this back in the 80s? Because if you looked at the original Astro Boy or Mazen Kaiser, stuff like that, anime was always cool, but anime from those years, from the 70s, looked kind of cheesy. Looked mm-hmm. kind of cheesy. It didn't look um, the same way. Maybe the storyline was harder to follow because it was so washed down for us. Um, in the, you know, I mean, the level of violence was a lot higher in the uh, yep. original versions and we like a lot of people still don't know don't seem to understand that but you mentioned that and it's funny because it's like suddenly then that starts going prime time so it's not just the simpsons and family guy anymore it, it wasn't just that anymore it's like cartoon network at that point starts fashioning something new that creates for us adults the sort of animation and really starts that proper separation of what's for us as adults and what's for the kiddies. Yeah. 
M MTV did it first. Gen Xers did it first. Mm -hmm. And as that eventually failed, and I would just say maybe Americans audience weren't ready for it, millennials loved it and picked it up with Adult Swim, basically. Um, like, And again, Adult Swim brings back Family Guy to the sense that uh, was irrelevant for its time, canceled in Fox, only survived because of Adult Swim. Futurama, another big thing, only survives because of Adult Swim. Uh, <laughs> and Adult Swim is basically taking classic Hanna-Barbera that Generation X then started producing after they were watching. And also all of us watched too as millennials, uh, all these and repurposing it now for adult audiences that is really there. So you saw this like renaissance in America with more adult before it wasn't just south park and i don't want to discredit south park because south park did a lot for adult animation on its own as well especially it in made it time yeah yeah because simpsons simpsons was there it was adult animation but it was still like family oriented like you know a family sitcom that had like some adult jokes in it basically right but still a sunday prime time you could see it any network south park truly was uh, besides MTV, which was geared like really, we're trying to be edgy. So Park was really the first time they just kind of made an animated show and just went for it, right? Like it's like this is for adults. We're starring kids because everyone thinks it's for kids, so we just have kids starting it. They're adult situations, poop fart jokes. This this is as adult as you can get. You can make. We're making a whole literal movie where the whole thing is about the kids just cursing. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, you know, uh, so I don't want to discredit South Park. Really made adult animation. I want to say cool to pave the way for Adult Swim to do what it did. Um, without South Park, I don't think being there and making it cool and interesting. I don't know if Adult Swim would have done what it did. I I don't know if it. Would. And here's the thing. South Park did that, but it's funny because the stuff that we now thought as grown-ups that we had seen as children that was cheesy, like Space Ghost, like, mm -hmm. you know, Blue Falcon and, uh, was it Dymo, Dynamo? Blue Falcon. Dynamut. Dynamut. Mm -hmm. Um, Astro, who had his own cartoon for a little while there. Um, mm. All these, like, 10 to 12-minute things... What I thought Adult Swim did really well was basically find a new niche and say, okay, we're going to take these 12-minute things, but now we're going to make them adult. So essentially, they would take the cartoon, rework it, add new voices to it, and that was it. With the exception yep. of Space Ghost, which was using the character in some of the visuals to create like a mock late-night show, which was absolutely hilarious. Space Brilliant. Ghost Coast to I Coast. I um I don't want to take it off my wall now, and I would have to shut up. But uh, visual, but I actually have a signed autograph from George Lowe, who did the voice of Space Ghost, right here in my office because nice. I did love Space Ghost. Nice. I, I have to mention that too. I have a signed autograph copy because I I love Space Ghost. Yeah, Space Ghost, and Space Ghost actually came out before um a lot of the Adult Swim lineup came in because. When the Adult Swim lineup came in, they did with, um, you know, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, C-Lab, C-Lab 2021, and then mm -hmm. they, then they would do, um, go on to do like Robot Chicken and, you know, my very favorite, which is, um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Mm -hmm. And, uh, these shows were really aimed at, at that particular audience is like man it's three o'clock in the morning i can't sleep what can i watch i don't want to watch a i don't want to watch an ad so i'm going to watch aqua teen hunger force which makes no sense you got a talking meatball talking fries and a talking shake talking about just absolute nonsense that does not make any sense but at the same time it's funny to me and it it, it fits into that it's three o'clock in the morning, but I don't want to stress or, or get in. Yeah, I'm just going to go into escapist, yeah. escapist mode. So you can watch Space Ghost interview Willie Nelson while mouthing off the Zorak. Like, <laughs> 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 it made absolutely no sense. And I love it. was the irrelevance for our time and culture, I think, that um, adults just kind of needed. We wanted to see the things that we were familiar with taken into new context. And I think. 
especially for the millennials. And this is where I, I, I now turn it on all of us millennials. Uh, <laughs> they're taking old and making something new, which is something that was happening, I would say, also in society with you can think about how technology changes so quickly. It was nice to see something familiar and taking it to something yeah. new. That's something like how to deal with our current culture, what was going on. So Yeah, it's, um, it's it, like it, the it growth. Great. It's like the growth and evolution as we grow and evolve, so too did this content. Now we're seeing it under a completely different context. And yep. I, I think that that's really awesome. And then you had shows like the Venture Brothers, which, yep. my God, did they, did they take my childhood? Because it's like, hey, we're going to give you Hanna-Barbera here for a little while, but you're not going to like it because Johnny Quest, yeah, he's, he's spun. He's totally spun on this one. You know, yeah, and and I think that was really greater than what we were having on Cartoon Network, where you did have the reboot of Johnny Quest, and I remember that reboot it was a pretty good one, well, right? But you had like that, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a really good reboot. You had that stuff going on, but at the same time, you you're adults now too. You're like, yeah, I'd rather see this take where these two Johnny Quest like figures and Brock Samson actually just beats the crap out. You know, we wanted more adult situations, more adult last because we, we grew up and that stuff. And as I always said, our cartoons like He-Man, they were terrible. Let's be honest. They were terrible. They were just there to sell cartoons. The animation was less. They didn't care about the animation. That's why they used it. The storylines literally didn't matter to them. They were there to push toys. And so then we started getting our renaissance of like uh, from Batman the Animated Series to X-Men to all oh. these really good adult uh, cartoon series that dealt with these adult topics. And as we started growing up, we're like, we love these things. Why can't we get more of it? Why does it have to stop being animated just because we're older? That didn't make really sense anymore. Because I think and South Park really broke that down. Simpsons allowed that to kind of carry. And by Family Guy, we're like, yeah, that's how we want our comedy. Well, <laughs> we you, make, you make a really good point here. Um, Batman the Animated Series was a total game changer, first of all. Mm -hmm. And that ran for three years, and then after I think it was after two seasons, they repackaged it as the Bat the new Batman Adventures. Yes. Mm. And at the same time, they released the Superman show, which was also pretty good if you're a Superman mm. fan, which I'm not really, but um, I'm not really, but I watched it every week. Yeah, it was a great show. Mm. What they started doing with those shows was they would show them on a block in, in the afternoon, so it was daytime, but it was not early morning. Now, where I think they went wrong again is then they decided to make one of the edgiest shows that they could have possibly thought of was Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. But then they took Batman Beyond and made it a morning show. And I'm like, this is a really dark show. This isn't a kid's show. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want, I, you know, and I even back then I thought, and I was, you know in my late teens early 20s i was like i if i had a kid and and i would <laughs> later on i was like i don't want him watching this unless i'm present because if the kid decides i'm going to try to grappling hook with a coat hanger and you know while dressed in a in a black outfit and rappel down the side of the building that the effects will be disastrous there's no like physics don't work that way you know, <laughs> I think just beyond that, the maturity of Batman Beyond, way which too, way too much, which I loved, but I think a lot of us love. We wanted our cartoons to mature. We wanted to see what's next for the X Men, what's next for Terry McGinn, like that maturity. And because the way Saturday morning cartoons were, they would do a new series and try to make it childish or kiddish, where their audience, who was slavish and devoted to it. We're still there. We just couldn't watch it. It started becoming childish. So we gravitated towards the MTV, the South Parks, the, the things that we can still keep the animated feel and yeah. started keeping that maturity. Then eventually Adult Swim and more shows just clung on to and kept to the point now where animation is so needed that even Comedy Central, uh, HBO Max, it doesn't matter, all these big sites, Netflix, all want animated adult shows. Animated adult shows are it, they're in, they're there. And if you don't understand that, you don't deserve this Toblerone. Um, <laughs> little inside reference. 
but I, I literally remember chasing down the first VHS um, when someone had a copy for it for South Park. I literally remember that time. You're, you're I was in middle one, school, uh, Santa Claus, a little younger. Santa versus uh, Jesus, is that the one? Yes, Santa versus Jesus. Because it was, you know, it's way back in the day, middle school. It was a, it was a rumor. People didn't know if it would exist and blah, blah, blah. I had to go on internet forums, find someone who had it. They VH copied to me, mailed it to me. I showed it to my friends and went around. And I mean, like, this was like underground stuff for like a year before South Park like, ever happened. Uh, and that was like huge. And it was kind of like, oh man, you can't even tell people watching South Park because like, you'll get in trouble at South Park. And that made it so cool for young kids to like get into and want to watch. No, you know what? It's true because, and, and I'll, you know, I was in high school when South Park first came out. Now, South Park, I remember the first season was only six episodes. And back then the animation was a little different. It's digital now, but it was different back then. It was like the hand cutouts or whatever. Yeah, it was hand puppets cut out. <clears throat> Something like that with animation. Like, I don't know how they did it, but it's a pretty, pretty interesting thing. But I remember a kid bringing a South Park of VHS. And, <clears throat> sorry, we were, um, we were, you know, I was doing morning announcements and stuff like that, like I would have with the editing and all that. Mm. And back then we were doing tech uh deck to deck editing and so uh um, i remember deck to deck editing i was in the av club he, too man I'm, yeah I'm he, he brought in a south park video to watch while we were writing the show for the morning because we did a, it was a morning show like all of five six minutes whatever anyway so we're all laughing dying laughing at the episode of south park that he was playing which i think was the one where uh with Scuzzlebutt, the lord of the mountain mm-hmm and no, it was beefcake. Where Carmen uh, like turns beefcake. like beefcake, beefcake, follow your dreams. <laughs> so we're laughing, and the principal walks in. Everybody in that room gets detention, cause <laughs> South Park was considered the antimatter somehow, mm -hmm. and that to me. He showed me why I wanted to freaking watch South Park nonstop. Like, I never missed an episode. And to this yep. day, when I want to watch something that will make me both laugh and think about good times, man, I think about South Park. And South Park is, is definitely one of the most inappropriate shows out there. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it's become more social commentary now than it was before. But there's something, there's something about that edge. And... It, like the way they present it that makes you as an adult it makes you laugh you show that to a kid they're not gonna understand it yep my my little nephews and other stuff even though i try to make south park references they have no interest in it that's like you know the things that they're interested in i'm like i don't know how you're not but i get it because i think when they get older as my little brother did who was 16 years younger than me, which is a perfect example. As he was getting older, South Park meant nothing to him. I'm telling you, Beyblades, all this other stuff was really cool. Yeah. But as he got older, and I got him into like the teenage older years, oh, I love South Park. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, I used to watch old South Parks. And we bonded over South Park when he was older. And I was like, yeah, this is animation literally geared towards more teenagers to adults. <laughs> Because young kids don't even care for South Park. Uh, <laughs> and I think that what makes animation probably better now is if it's not thematic in the sense that it's social commentary or, you know, satire, then it is so insanely polished. Mm -hmm. And you and I have something to reference that to because the kids that are growing up now that are looking at that, they've already had 3D where you and I didn't. Uh, for us, yep. 3D was wearing the, the, the glasses with, you know, with the red and the, and the blue mm -hmm. and they were paper, right? Mm -hmm. So now you look at something that we might have been watching years ago. You know, like I said, me and my son, we'll, we'll watch cartoons that I was growing up with like X-Men, like, you know, whatever, Fantastic Four, all this stuff. We know the difference between the story and, and you know, Toyetic. 
but you look at that stuff and you look at the stuff now and you're like, man, the quality is so far superior. Yep. And when so when you see something that's action or whatever, you see the quality, man, you're like, oh, goodness. Like there's they're cutting by like it's so much different. Like I watched this film um, yesterday, animated film, Mitchell's versus the robots. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this animation is really good. Yeah. Kind of got out and, 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 and you know what I also think helps into this? We're talking about animation. Pixar. And I know I'm putting Pixar into this adult animation. Pixar has always been known that they have jokes for the kids and jokes for the adults. It yeah. was also getting adults used to the effect that animation could also be for them. So adults would be like, oh, I love these funny animated jokes that are coming in to this otherwise <laughs> kiddie package. When I say kiddie, what we assume animation to be childish I, and kiddie. I, gotta, uh, I think I that gotta, also yeah. helped to bring this uh, adult animation wave forward. I got to I got to you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I got to say when when I was watching like Disney animated movies when they were sort of on the rebound you know, the 70s were a very dark period for Disney. Not every uh, film that they had was a hit anymore. And <clears throat> a lot of their live, not live, but, you know, 35mm films and stuff like that weren't that great. So they had to rely more on animation. And But it wasn't until, like, Black Cauldron was released that they went on this almost nonstop hit parade. Black Cauldron wasn't really a hit, but it's what came after Black Cauldron mm. that sort of spawned that, respawned that Disney thing, you know, where they had every three years, it was like, well, now we finished The Little Mermaid, we got Aladdin, we had this and that. Watch those films again. I watched The Black Cauldron recently. And Black Cauldron, I've got to be honest with you, was one of the most disturbing animated films I've seen in a long time because it is highly adult oriented and when pe- people put a negative connotation on adult oriented it's just the theme it's not necessarily it, you know that, that it's saying anything negative or whatever is the theme that a kid isn't going to understand mm-hmm. but then again Little Mermaid is that way Aladdin is that way, Beauty and the Beast is that way, Lion King is that way. How would you feel as a as a child, going back to how you were as a kid, if you can remember that? Mm-hmm. You see, you know, Simba lose his father. Oh, I cried like orphan. a baby. I, I remember Lion King so well, I as a kid. Exactly. Or that gigantic tiger manifestation on aladdin which was beautifully done incredible Mm. animation but it's like man even as an adult that i'm I'm like that's kind of scary looking so i agree i agree well i think those disney films like lion king i was like yeah i remember being sad as a kid i kind of scared scarred like and i watch lion king now and i feel like lion king is uh we got some chuckles but it's still mostly for kids where I feel like the Pixar movies, whether it's Toy Story or something else, has jokes that are just made for adults. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was just made for adults. See, I think, I think that Pixar has learned the balance, but I think that with Disney, it's like they would go sometimes way too more in one, in one direction. Thematically, 100%. I like the way that Pixar kind of lays everything out for example toy story the last toy story man i was dying with that loved it you know it had a very sort of adult oriented about finding your place in the world type storyline about being left behind about all this stuff you can tell you and i can tell that but it's it's tucked away you know it's really well told story that the little kids are thinking more about those like oh look it's um duke kaboom and rajan rajan like you know it's funny stuff but at the same time it's like it's funny enough mm-hmm. to where a kid won't have to understand the adult theme that's there so there's a nice balance like a better balance 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I like I like to think Pixar did contribute and still contributes to the love of adult animation to yeah. this day. By by having that focus, I think a little more that little more balance than mm-hmm. than Disney does um, on that. So you know, I I, I, I do like to think because there's really the swell in the '90s, and so we're gonna I'm gonna go back to the '90s again because we're talking about Golden Simpsons period, comes baby, out in the 90s. period. <laughs> South Park comes out in the '90s. MTV has all of their Beavis and Butthead, their Aeon Flux, their Max TV shows, your Ren and Stimpy, the adult version, that's all 90s. So you really have this renaissance in the 90s, even with from younger animation to adult animation, because 90s is X-Men, right? That's our X-Men cartoon series. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about all of these that are kind of animation itself is really maturing in the 90s. You started seeing movies like Cool World, that was in the 90s. Right, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was late 80s, and that was still towards kids. <clears throat> but I feel think that helped drive that little, little renaissance to have more Space Jam, uh, more uh, of Cool World, where more of this animation is now becoming a little more adult, a little move away from these children, and move it towards adult animation, where Adult Swim then takes that, blows it up, and keeps it around when it started to die in the 90s, I'm saying. Yeah. Adult Swim is really the renaissance that keeps it in the 2000s, because Adult Swim's like 2000s, right? That's what Adult, it really Adult Swim for. really started in about 98, and, and the way that, the, that, that Adult Swim started, because they had this, um, it was in these shorter blocks that weren't supposed to, like, they were like filler, basically. Adult Swim was essentially shorter block filler for late night. And I remember one of the things that they had um, really prior to Adult Swim being known as Adult Swim was this thing called O Canada, where they would do like a 30-minute block of just random um, Canadian short cartoons. That can, Canada's really well known for that, for um, very abstract style, kind of... Sh- you know, different cartoons that were more mm-hmm. about just working within the animation, the parameters of animation and stuff like that. So it's been around for a minute. I think that what we're used to now, what you and I are used to, um, is different. It's different because it's much, you know, you have an entire block of programming dedicated to that. And you got these shows that are you know, insanely adult themed, like, uh, Tim and Eric's awesome show. Great job. Tom goes to the mayor, <laughs> laser wolf, um, beef house. Sorry. <laughs> Tim and Eric's <laughs> new show, beef house, which I, which I love. Uh, it's not animated, but I do love it. <laughs> and can I get, Mike Tyson can I get some, love, can I get a, some love for squid billies? Some Squid Billy's love, some Mike Tyson Mysteries love, because oh, I am a big on. fan of Mike Tyson Dude, Mysteries. Mike Tyson's Mysteries is the greatest. Uh, so, no, uh, I want to talk cause, uh, a little bit, because we've been talking for a little bit, about the future of animation. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I did say a little earlier that everyone's looking for animation right now. Animation is big, but animation is also time-consuming and expensive. Uh, <laughs> for all of us just to talk about on the producing side, it takes a team of animators a lot of time to draw yeah. these. Computers have been very nice, and people especially go, where have all my hand-drawn animation gone? It's gone because it's very expensive and slow. Uh, digital ad sets and computing make it easier. I'm not saying it's not e- I'm not saying it's easy, but it makes it easier than hand drawn used to be in order to animate. Um, and I think that one thing that needs to be explained: <clears throat> the process has been refined because a lot of times you had to go sell animation, and it was hand drawn, and it was like you had to draw everything you know like every the slightest movement and everything like that draw the sets paint do all this stuff mm-hmm. and now you have you know the rigging process which is still a lengthy time consuming process but it's not something that requires i don't think like the level of time it requires time and I don't want to. I don't want to get into trouble for saying this because it, you know I don't want to m- misrepresent the effort and the level of knowledge that it takes. 
but it is a much more refined process that once you have that pipeline ready, you don't, you know, you worry less about mistakes and things like that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And the, and the most interesting adult animation, the elephant in the room, Rick and Morty, of course, uh, who has been probably the biggest case of adult animation. Uh, the biggest, hey. I want to say outlier, the biggest, uh, the biggest one in recent times. It's been hey, Rick and Morty. Hey, Rick. How many Jan Michael Vincents does it take? <laughs> uh, which, and I'm a person who has a bunch of Rick and Morty merchandise, so uh, I'm a fan oh, of Rick yeah. and Morty, uh, to put it out there. Uh, their process is supposed to be fine, but we see that. But I think as Rick and Morty has done to talk a little just about the future of animation and we're, we're seeing adult animation, uh, Hollywood follows things that are popular, right? So Rick and Morty is popular. Rick and Morty is one of the most popular adult animations since Family Guy, uh, which I, I want to say Family Guy was probably the last recent crown. It was probably South Park, Family Guy, and now Rick and Morty um, as the most popular singular ones out there. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, you know, uh, so I would say now it's Rick and Morty. Uh, and animation, uh, like Hollywood loves to follow trends. So uh, what I think is we're still going to get the sitcoms because it's basically a family sitcom just with a sci-fi bent. Uh, so to me, it's still playing off the Simpsons dynamic, which South Park was still doing it. Uh, <laughs> it's a family guy doing it even more. We're all still getting in the same genre. So, But I do think the outlandishness, which if you look at uh, Simpsons, South Park, or Family Guy, uh, they are all outlandish. Family Guy being more outlandish than South Park, South Park being more outlandish than uh, Simpsons, and Rick and Morty being more outlandish than Family Guy uh, with it, that we are going to get kind of this uh, probably a little more craziness, but also, and if you could see me visually, I have it in my background, grounded. Uh, I have Bird Girl, they're redoing uh, some old adult swim shows. Bird Girl's a new one. But Bird Girl's a very grounded tale with kind of some superhero assortedness, but it's grounded. And I think we're gonna see some more grounded animation back. When I mean grounded, I mean more towards Simpsons-like, where you get less of the fantastical sci-fi pew pew everywhere, and more of just that that family drama sitcom group of friends drama happening yeah again that's where i think that we'll start seeing some of this come cyclical because everything's cyclical uh <laughs> and that we'll see some rick and morty clones but i think the next thing that will really be popular is something that's more grounded yeah i totally agree with you i think that um it's one of those things that you know it goes around and then it comes around mm. um I do believe that as the process becomes more and more refined and it, it looks more and more like what our idea of animation as viewers should be where like we can't think we dare not talk about a 1967 cartoon <laughs> like a 1967 Spider-Man with Spider-Man Spider-Man you know like with the 60s or whatever but there's that progression and that, and, and I think that the story, because, you know, you mentioned Rick and Morty, but the thing about Rick and Morty that makes it as popular as it is, I think, at least in my opinion, it's commentary, but it's subtle and it's shielded by outlandish comedy, but outlandish, well-written comedy. It's well-timed, there's good pacing to it, there's stuff that just makes it work like archer my god mm -hmm. how much better can you get than archer yeah. and archer you look at it for the first time it just looks like a lengthy episode of frisky dingo because it was made by the same people but but the the combination of of how it's written how outlandish it is and how much it uses like real life situations to make it, you know, w within an outlandish context to make it something that you want to watch. Cause like, man, this is, this is really funny. Yeah. You know, and some of that stuff might not make sense to you or, or, or to me or to anyone, if we're just looking at it for giggles, but then when you're actually looking at it, paying attention to the story, 
It's like, oh, funny, I got that. I got that reference. It was very slight. Yeah, I mentioned the Jan Michael Vincent's thing earlier. Well, if you grew up in the 80s, you know what that's all about. So that's something I can share with, with my dad, who was watching Airwolf when it was brand new. Yep. And I was sitting and, and, next to him. So, <laughs> And I agree. And I think that our, our animators who are now, as you know, they're my age, a little younger, my, but you know, my generation ages, right, who are making these things, uh, they made things such as, I want to say, like Steven Universe, She-Ra, um, uh, even the new He-Man is being redone by Kevin Smith. These are also, yes, yes, really? geared towards kids, but very much with an adult sensibility that adults will enjoy these, adults will understand them, adults will find meaning in them. She-Ra, Steven Universe, there's all these sources of identities that adults will love to share with their children who are people like us, right? And you share sharing with your son all the time who grew up with these cartoons yes. and matured with them who now want to do the same with their children. And so I look at these like, yes, oh, these would be great things to watch with my child when discussing this. Or Big Mouth, which is one of those adult programs for Netflix, which I'm like, oh yeah, that was a perfect signifier about how I was going through puberty. I go, I wish if I had a teenager, I would show them this when they were going through puberty, right? Like even those little adultish to be like, hey man, it'll probably help. I remember having all those feelings. Exactly. It'll be a way for me to at least talk with them. And and also you can you don't have to explain that you know a human and a pillow cannot have a relationship and have a baby pillow. That's not a real thing. You don't mm -hmm. have to explain that to the teenager. They know. Yeah. Um so it's fine. You don't have to worry about explaining the human pillow dynamic because it's not an issue. Yeah. However, you know, you can't talk about those things just like, yeah, you know, you got this little monster inside your head. And it almost makes that conversation a lot easier. Yeah. You know, but again, you have to you have to be willing to do that. And, you know, unfortunately, we're we're in a I think in a time and a place where, you know, there's too many, too many extremes to to every story where it's like, I cannot do that. That will make my child impregnate the television no 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 that's not the point <laughs> the point is to be able to discuss what works and what doesn't in life yep. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so i don't know yeah but i but again it's 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 great and i don't know and i i like the fact that a lot of the animation what was the toblerone on? i'm forgetting neo yokio neo yokio great example um they use magic they use all that stuff but within the context of today of what how important it is to have that social media clout but mm. they take it to a level where it's actually humorous and funny <laughs> and it's enjoyable yeah you know no and i and i agree and i think that animation lends itself to something that uh, you can do fantastical stuff without worrying about production budgets. I'm going to take the Harley Quinn show uh, that's been going on DC Universe, oh, the Harley yeah. Quinn animated show, which Two is seasons. a lot of fun, yeah. which I, Doom Patrol, I love. Like, I've watched Titans. Doom Patrol is my favorite, like, HBO Max, DC Universe now, whatever now, we're calling yeah, it now. Whatever we're calling it. Whatever, the, whatever we're calling it now. But Doom Patrol is my favorite, but Doom Patrol has to worry about budgets, location sets how to make all this work but the harley quinn doesn't have to worry about the costuming for king shark you can just draw a shark and it's fine like you know it, it gives you the situation to do outlandish things that are really fun without worrying about budgets and i and i'm so glad we've kind of moved on to realize that as long as animation is not only for children we can do all the crazy adult things that we want to do with something without like having to make it hyper realistic in and, the sense of there is filming it with actual there is people something and being you okay touched with it. On, there is something that you touched on though that that bears mentioning, um, or rather it bears expansion, and that's the fact that you know, with these shows, they do subtly touch on adult themes, and mm. it's good that they do this in this way because. Television is still where a lot of people go. And 
if someone has an issue that they need to talk about or they want to talk about but they don't quite know how maybe that's something that's encouraging them to go ahead and do so and feel mm -hmm. that you can actually have that conversation it's not pushing any agendas it's just touching the themes as they are and and telling us you know it's okay to touch those themes it's a conversation a conversation is not going to kill anyone yep you know maybe the lack of a conversation will which a lot of people don't understand but having a conversation won't and maybe that's what's helping you and that's what's spurring you on it could be yep. the silliest thing that you saw that it's like okay and that's what i also like about those shows like i like them a great deal like harley quinn talks about toxic relationships mm -hmm. and that is really the way the entire first season is laid out it's all the toxicity in the relationship mm -hmm. between Harley Quinn and the Joker. Yep. And, and, and I really think even playing <clears throat> that for comedy live action, that's so much harder to do than kind of, mm -hmm. you could deal with these issues and still be lighthearted, comedic, or even serious about it like BoJack Horseman, because BoJack Horseman oh, was a very serious show. But at the same time, it was very funny and lie hard to help you deal with whether it was depression, toxic relationships, or anything else through a lens that doesn't seem judging or yourself. Like animation allows you to kind of like examine because you don't have to be yourself or someone who looks like you directly. It can be a horse and that horse can represent everything you need it to represent. And there's no, yeah, it's non, it's non-threatening. And that's, I think the reason mm -hmm. why everybody, um, loves animation as much as they do if it's something that's you know um, and i mean i guess i shouldn't say that because there's a there can always be the one individual that might not like animation as much and that's fine too but i think that the reason why animation draws such interest from individuals is because of that you yep. are not threatened by this two-dimensional figure that's not real it's speaking directly to you and you don't have to feel i can't relate to this because this is an impossibly good looking movie star or whatever no this is just a character that was drawn same as if i drew a character and i started having a conversation with it mm -hmm. or you know like when i was having conversations with my imaginary friends at four years of age you know, that's the kind of thing that that really helps with uh, with animation. I mean, I, I know that as a kid, I used to watch Smurfs, Mask, uh, um, Silverhawks, and all this stuff, and it was fun yep. because it was not something that I don't think you feel you have to like emulate animation and i think that's what also makes it kind of safe is you don't have to emulate what you see in a cartoon show because it's outlandish it's moving art so therefore you don't have to try to imitate it you just kind of watch it and, and get focused in that and after that you separate and it's over mm. so as a kid for example when i would watch like say silver hawks or thundercats i did not feel that i had to grab my sword okay and fight mumra that day because it's a freaking cartoon mm -hmm. or that i had to you know you know fly off some balcony somewhere and hope that my silver hawk armor that i did not have would fly out so that i could do silver hawk things because again it's a cartoon you separate from it period and the story that it's not real so mm -hmm. that's what i know i remember my mom, my sister at one point, one of my eldest sisters, she came to my mom because uh, I was watching Beavis and Butthead. And I know it's kind of young. She didn't watch Beavis and Butthead. And she was like, Mom, I think he's too young to watch Beavis and Butthead to me. Uh, you know, there was just those kids. And this was the time where the kids burned down their house because they saw it on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, my God. Um, right? And they're like, and she's like, oh, he's going to burn down the house. You know, they've been seeing these kids are imitating. And she's like, my mom really comes up to me and goes, She's talking to my sister. I was right there during the conversation. And she's like, no, that's crazy. He knows the difference between real life and TV. And my mom looks at me. She's like, just because he saw it on TV, you're going to do it? I'm like, no, it's a cartoon. 
why would I do that? She's like, yo, see, there you go. <laughs> she was like, watch away, there you go. It's like, as long as you can learn to separate fact from fiction, and cartoons do help you separate that, which also helps us in our adult psych and helps us deal with problems too. And it is art, you monkeys. I'm just saying this, right? Because you say there's people out there who may not like it. If yeah. you don't like animation, it is art, you monkeys. There's as much art as a film out there or anything else. <laughs> it is art. It is art. It, it is, is actually art. a lot this more complex. This has much artistic value as anything else. And it's, so. it's a lot more complex. And, you know, you brought up Beavis and Butthead. It's funny because I, I remember asking a girl I was in high school. I was like maybe in 10th grade when uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America came out. Yeah, and that. I asked a girl to go see Beavis and Butthead to America, and um, yeah, that was one of my first like sort of adultish uh, kisses, you know. So yep. yeah, I think I thank I, you, I got, Beavis I got and Butthead, in that movie too. You know, Boom. dude, it's Beavis and Butthead. Like you can't go wrong because you're you're laughing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're just like, oh, and. Uh, <laughs> And here's one thing I'll say. My favorite Marvel movie is Into the Spider-Verse. Just going to put it out there. Oh, My please. favorite one is Into the Spider-Verse. You're kidding me? Is... That is freaking awesome. Like the, Into the Spider-Verse, honestly, that to me had to have been um, like perfection. The way yep. that it was done, the way that everything was put together... And I've and I've been saying this for a long time. I've always said DC has the the lock on the uh, on the animated market. Not that Marvel did not do great animated films in the early two thousands and stuff like that because they did. But, but no, I'm DC just saying that DC, where they can only seem to get Batman right when they're doing an actual film, and everything else, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. Like Wonder Woman was great, but Wonder Woman Part Two was, you know, kind of whatever crap you know um and and then you know justice league uh Mm. that exists you know (laughs) (laughs) talk about that one it's gonna stay silent yeah no but you know we have to say we have to be real uh, but but their their animated stuff is insane yes insanely good but nothing can touch um into spider-verse yeah and that's for me can't touch it like i'm yeah, sorry that's, yeah that's a well done animated film so and, and I'm, I'm glad for this whole podcast as we're wrapping up here just to say the importance of adult animation talk about what it means but i think into spider for shows again how far we've grown with art and adult animation that it is just it, it's so great and i can't i have not seen an adult or a kid who has not loved into the spider verse it's a great film yeah uh, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like i don't believe anyone doesn't love that film honestly yeah and i think that moves in and so you're gonna see more and more adult animation everywhere that you go uh from netflix hbo mac peacocks everyone has their own adult animation that's something that's going to continue to grow yeah uh, uh it's here to stay so if you haven't watched adult animation before i think rick and i will give you some suggestions instead of movies to watch of things that we think you should suggest and watch if you haven't watched uh this one because get into it adult animation is actually really good it's not just dumb children or dumb fart jokes or anything else you said there's actually a lot out there for people do you want to do do you want to do a a top five each each do a top five off the cuff top five i'll do off the top top five and uh stuff that you either have access to or can watch right now um i'll go first as the as the resident uh, uh adult expert so uh if you want to because we did talk about netflix and netflix is so huge i will say bojack horseman if you have not watched bojack horseman go and watch it it is a great great telling of us really a main character dealing with depression at the same time it is a fun hollywood story and a good friendship buddy story and learning how to find your own place and identity wow it goes places i think you'd be very surprised of i think it works 
all seasons throughout. Um, it is one of probably my favorite animated television series. So if you have not, go and watch BoJack Horseman. I am then going to follow up with another suggestion that Rick said, Archer. I think Archer is actually really funny too. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a good spy show, especially in the earlier season, if you like that stuff. I'm going to kick it back over to the main OG South Park. If you haven't watched South Park, do watch South Park. Uh, old episodes on Hulu to, no, not on Hulu anymore. Where'd they all move to? Uh, HBO Max? They're all on HBO yeah, Max they're now. They're on Max, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I forget, sorry. There's so many things going on. To the OG. Uh, go and watch the Harley Quinn series. It's, I also think that's good on HBO Max as well. So we got the South Park. And newer one that I am watching right now, I have Bird Girl showing on my background because I'm a big fan. They've just brought out Bird Girl. I'm actually going to go with something a little different that is also still on Adult Swim, Final Space. Conan O'Brien produced this one. It's actually on its third season now, if you haven't watched it. It is a space opera adventure, uh, and it's actually pretty fun, and it's starting to deal with love, actually. Uh, love through space, <laughs> like finding your true love in all of space. Uh, but it's a fun action space opera. It's called Final Space. Uh, I think you'll actually enjoy it. So those, those are going to be my top five. Uncuffed, some oldies, some newies. Uh, but watch Bird Girl too. I'll put that in there. Watch Bird Girl too. Watch it. Watch watch like everything. Close yeah. enough. As my name, Justin Zuka's Big Mouth. I mean, watch it all. Big Mouth. If you have some, if you have kids who are going through puberty, watch Big Mouth first for yourself. It may help you actually conversate with them. Right. So um, my top five start with my background, which is. Um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The reason why I love Aqua Teen Hunger Force, it is absolutely uh, just insanely crazy. Every character mm -hmm. is um, lovable but hateful at the same time. It's like if you met them in person, you wouldn't like them, but then after a while, they'd get to you. I remember reading once, and this was an old review, and Aqua Teen was out in its middle. Someone described Aqua Teen as the first true postmodern show in postmodern terms of art. Yeah. And I was like, I can see that. I so if that intrigues you, watch Aqua Teen. Yeah, I can too. If you want to see a talking milkshake, really give it to everyone. Watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And from the same makers of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, um, I would have to say, woohoo, Squidbillies. Uh, woo! Sorry, wrong, wrong character. <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> um, I love Early Kyla, baby. Early Kyla, baby. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Yeah. <laughs> um, Squid Billy's, I think, uh, really talks about the r rural condition in uh, exaggerated terms. <laughs> you know, and I'll just leave it at that. And you make your own decisions. And then, of course, OG South Park, which is on HBO Max. Um, so it's Squidbillies and Aqua Teen. Just yeah, like pretty much everything that's on Cartoon Network is, is now that I think about it, is on HBO Max, is it not? Yep, so HBO Max does have a lot of adults, not all of them, but a lot of them, and it also has South Park as well. So. Uh, Rick and Morty, because I think Rick and Morty is, like, it, that show just never gets old. It just never, mm. ever, ever, ever gets old. Um... Mm. And then my number one, and it's only because I'm a fan, and I brought this up earlier, and I mentioned it earlier, and it is an oldie, but it is a show that's held up incredibly well, um, and it's over 20 years old now, I'm close to it, is Batman Beyond. I believe it was on DC when it was the DC Universe. It might actually be on HBO Max. I haven't checked, but I highly suggest that you check that because it's the right mix of action and drama. It is well-written. Um, it's basically, you know, just a teenager taking over the mantle of Batman while still trying to figure out his own life and, you know, working with a really angry old man by the name of, uh, Bruce Wayne, who is insanely angry, but insanely awesome. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, all the shows that we have mentioned through this whole thing, watch any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, we just gave you an av abbreviated, off-the-cuff top five, but if really we're going to talk about why we love every show that we've talked about here, we'd, we'd be here for like a good three or four days talking yeah. about animation. That's how freaking cool it is.
I, I could spend a whole podcast just talking about Mike Tyson mysteries, and I know it didn't make my top five, but I love Mike Tyson mysteries. Mike Tyson I mysteries. Could literally talk about that for hours. What I love about Mike Tyson mysteries is it reminds me of the original Mr. T series. Mr. Yeah. T. Yeah. And it's gymnastics team, right? Yeah, they just. Which I never understood that because Mr. T was actually a boxer. So I'm like, I don't understand why he's with the gymnastics team. That <laughs> makes no sense to me. And they're solving mysteries. Like every time that something happens, they're going to a meet. But the meet gets interrupted because they end up having to solve some kind of mystery in some far off place. I, I'm a big fan of all those Hanna-Barbera type mystery ones where yeah. they had couple of people either with a ghost a boat a dog it doesn't matter they're out there solving mysteries or, i love great ape was one example of that you know yeah, so mike tyson mysteries is the best is really up there it, yeah uh, I, I love it so much and uh, mike tyson voices mike tyson and mike tyson mysteries so uh see mike tyson voice his own character it is hilarious uh and stay for the after credits they always have a vignette with him uh and those are super funny uh with mike tyson uh they're they're the because he's uh, wearing the suit (laughs) he is wearing which i'm so mad they still didn't ever sell like they never actually sold his hoodie as like a costume or anything which i would have bought i dude i would have bought that so quick you know, I would have bought my guys Mr. Retro. But really, listen to all of them. Uh, you know, listen to every single one. That's our recommendations. We have our top five. Watch those. Let us know how you like them. Go and up, hit Allie on Instagram. Tell her which one was your favorite adult animation from ours or your own getting up. Any suggestions? Uh, like, share, and subscribe our podcast as always. And Rick, where can they see our stuff? They can see our stuff on canela.tv. They can see our stuff on Tubi soon hopefully on alchemy and uh very soon we'll actually be out on more platforms thanks to the wonderful people at Duya, which has many partner platforms so pretty much you'll be able to see us everywhere man soon enough and that's thanks to our great distributor vivian which i hope if you haven't checked out that episode with her as well absolutely uh, check it out and check it out so Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week for another great episode of Cinemagic. Yeah. Yeah.